In the city, we gon' slide, bet I be there pronto Me, my guys, we really live Lord, forgive me, pay my tithes Please don't have me reach inside And that's in the console Keep the semi when I ride Let off Henny when I drive In the city, we gon' slide Bet I be there pronto Chop Nation, what's good? What's the word? What's going down? It's Thursday night, and you are in the place to be. The only place for you to be uh, on a Thursday evening, kicking it with the family. Chop Nation is going down. I'm your girl, Toya G. Excited as always, ready to get into a couple different topics with y'all. Pull back the layers on this thing before we head into another weekend, a spooky little weekend, holiday weekend, if that's your vibe. Um, but before we get there, we're going to have some conversations with our people. Who else I'm with? This guy, boy, Damo. Yeah, because he he's speaking with his hands, so I'll speak out loud. It's your boy Damo, the political plug. I have a very like loaded political chop for y'all today. So you know what I'm saying? I'm 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 ready to get to it. I love y'all. Hey man, you gotta have some sauce. You feel me? But don't get lost in the sauce. It's George Lee, aka Consciously. Don't forget the Lee, the Consciously.com where you can find me if you if you if you're you wondering. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But, you know, we're ready to get it going. Hey, we missed y'all, too. Shout out to everybody up in the comments holding us down. Definitely a good look for y'all. Pulling up, we're going to go ahead and start off with a vibe check. A couple different things we want to get into. We said we weren't going to get Kanye heavy, but we got to ask the question. Now that we've seen the empire of Kanye West fall, right? Like, a lot of different things have shifted and changes. Attorneys have dropped him. Balenciaga gone. Gap gone. Adidas gone. He said they wouldn't leave him, and he, they left him. Um... Donda Academy is up in the air. Uh, one minute, they school year was canceled. The next minute, he said, never mind, y'all. Make sure y'all in class tomorrow. So that's still trying to figure out what's up. But a lot of things are happening right now. And in the mix of all of these things kind of shifting and changing, one of the things we know about Kanye West's undeniable fingerprint, handprint on our culture uh, is fashion, right? So now a lot of people got a lot of Yeezy, right? And as a sneaker fan, you know what I'm saying, me and Lee are down with the sneakers. Plug got some Paris tucked away. Stay in the game a little bit. Uh, so we, I, I just want to know. Do that. Do that, too. Do that. Hey, definitely yeah. tap in with us. But I want to know from y'all, and I want to know in the comments, are, is this one of those times when we separate the art from the artist? Like, what do we do <laughs> with Yeezys? Like, what? how do we feel now? I'm going to tell y'all this is somebody who got two pair of Yeezy slides and a pair of 500s. I ain't even touched, let, touched the ground yet. What do we do <laughs> about the Yeezys that we have? Do we burn them? Do we throw them away? Throw them away? Do we sell them? Do we just wear them understanding that shit is complicated? What are we doing with the Yeezys, y'all? What's the word? Let me go first because the only Yeezys I have in my house are some fake Yeezy slides that my wife got off Amazon for my son. So... Uh, since they ain't even since they ain't even really easy brand, these is off brand Chinese than the motherfucker. <laughs> uh, yeah, I ain't we ain't doing. He, I think he he just warmed to the little play area place today, big kicking it. So yeah, issue I don't have to deal with. Lee, Mister Shoe Man. Uh, I really, I really feel like I know we trying to be brief. I got I inherited two pair of easy slides. And they the most comfortable shoes them that I ever had, right? I'm trying to think though in one way. Am I holding this black dude Mocha into he out of there? He out of there. But it's like shit. Gucci and Louis and Jordan and all these people <laughs> did some crazy shit too. So it's like now am I trying to justify representing the brand on some fuck shit? Cause I got it, 
or am I holding this black brand more accountable than I hold the non-black brands? Like, it's a lot of questions that's going on. But to answer the question, I do have two pair of Yuki slides that I got for sale. Because I feel like for me personally, like mm-hmm. it ain't with my brand. You know what I'm saying? For me to be at the airport, for me to be somewhere, I got on some easy slides. For me, for me personally, it's how I feel. You feel what I'm saying? Look, because George will be the nigga that, that somebody point out with them damn shoes. Oh, yeah, definitely. They got walking to me. You know I mean, bro had bro had a bro had on a crew neck that said "fuck easy" for fuck yeah, right? So that's 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 complicated. I already drew my line in the sand, basically. Like I already, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we got the comments though. Dewan says, "Where are them MFs? Y'all already bought them." Uh, Kimya team looks to agree. Hold on one second. Go back to Kimya real quick. Said, "If you bought them, keep them. If you bought them, keep rocking them, but don't spend no more." Period. No more money right, right, on that brand. Right. Clear, understood. Now we will go back to JM's comment. Well, Melodious agreed. Okay. So <laughs> also right says there. if you already bought it, uh, go ahead and use it, but uh, further support, no thank you. And then JM says they're just shoes at the end of the day. So when it's all said and done, you know, we should be able to separate that logic. I want to... I could say this up to a year ago. I could say this to, up to a year ago. So <laughs> then I, I'll leave it at that. I, I will say, as a sneaker fan, I was conflicted, right? Because, you know, Kanye was on some wild shit before just recently. I was done with the music, done paying attention to him, done with a lot of his real life and caring about what was going on, unless I was laughing at it uh, a long time ago. Like, back when slavery was a choice. I was like, man, get him out of here, whatever. But the sneaker fan in me is like, but these is hot shoes. You know what I'm saying? So I was in a, in a, in a weird place because, you know, everybody got what they like. They got what they into. And so I wanted to be able to participate in that thing. I do want to bring up the idea. And Lee brought up the fact when we was doing, you know, some pre-show prep that a lot of people get this phrase or this, this, this quote. They misinterpret or don't know what it means. So y'all break down this quote real quicker. The idea that there is no ethical consumption under capitalism, because that's the biggest thing. I think that we were getting at and that Lee was getting at with, you know, we didn't wore all types of stuff before we, we haven't split hairs about that. Why split hairs about this? I do kind of believe that there's no ethical consumption under cap. So what does that phrase mean? Somebody break that down. So uh, I, I go first. So no ethical uh, consumption under capitalism means that regardless of our intentions, our efforts, or our focus, engaging in systems of capital, <laughs> engaging in systems of capital within the uh, the like within the the uh, systems of commerce that exist in the United States inevitably reproduce negative impacts. So while we have the best intentions when it comes to certain uh, 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 capitalist efforts, right? Like economic efforts, because the way the system of capital operates, that there always has to be somebody that gets fucked over in order for money to be made. It doesn't matter what you do, the intentions otherwise, Engaging in systems of capital in the United States reproduce fucked up shit, regardless. Yeah, and my, my, my version is a little more simplified. Everything you got on, that you eat, that you drink, that you wear, that you use, somebody had to sweat, bleed, you know what I'm saying, for it, and somebody getting exported for it at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, that if you paid $300 for your Jordans, they probably cost $5 and uh, shit, a couple companies is able to mark it up. You know what I'm saying? You got on shit, a couple $20 pair of Hanes draws. Shit, them draws probably cost 97 cents to buy. You feel me? And the company marked it on up. So it's really just. Or the person was paid 97 cents to make them. Yeah. 
So you know, uh, so you on, you on, you on, uh, you on mute. And I'm My so, bad. I want this to be a cop out. It's either the, I don't want this, I don't want the idea or the 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 concept that under capitalism there's no ethical consumption be a be a way for us to not have critical analysis of what we are consuming, what we use, how and how it impacts other people. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and also to be conscious and to be mindful to have lines and limits. There are certain things that, you know, I don't participate in as a person who finds themselves in the kind of micro cracks and fissures of a capitalist system where in some ways I have privilege and in some ways I don't. In some ways I represent a particular positionality in the class struggle. In some ways I don't or, or represent something else. It's about a level of conscious moving and conscious understanding. Right. This is the same conversation we get in. We get in between veganism versus, you know, consuming meat and the difference is there and you don't realize your veganism means a bunch of immigrants are somewhere uh, or i'm sorry people undocumented folks are somewhere working slave labor wages trying to make sure you get those vegetables on your plate not to mention the emissions that are protruding out of the 18 wheelers that mm. are getting your stuff your, your top quality stuff from you know southern or central california to south california southern california if you where i'm at or wherever you live and whatever you re- whatever region you live in so it's really hard to parse out and be overly ethical and be overly verbose about being on the right side of too much of anything but the effort the consciousness the willingness to lean in and be self uh reflective about your habits and about how you participate in these systems is important it's crucially important as well yeah right so we'll slide and i see some comments there fez says it's easy to say uh what he does, what we do next to buck the system, but we're out here laying the foundation and doing the groundwork, not funded by special interest or recording a video for clout. I say do him, I say do him his way, and we'll do it our way while keeping tabs on those we won't deal with. So everybody's just kind of doing what they can, getting in line where they can be most effective and meaningful is where I take that. Any other comments I want to get to before we slide to the next comment? Uh, uh, For transparency, I was trying to do my old school BET thing when Twitter had just came out and they'll be talking and they'll just have comments randomly on the screen and they don't even press them that it's randomly on the screen. So you know that. That when I was just trying to. I was. I, I appreciate it. You was trying to make sure that people were represented. Other shit. Yeah. Love thank, it. Thank oh, you for your production efforts, Lee. You know. We'll practice that from here on out. We'll practice that from here on out as we move to the topic of Brittany Griner. Definitely got to make sure we are keeping the name of this black woman in our conversations and uh, kind of looking at and reflecting on what international politics looks like, particularly when black people, black women are involved and when there are various opinions on whether or not we should be participating in getting her back to the United States. A lot of people, uh, from what I've been seeing on Twitter, on different timelines, Bleacher Report, um, ESPN, um, different threads, uh, all over the place, there's mixed reactions on getting Brittany Griner back home. There's a lot of even Americans who do not believe that she deserves any special treatment. They really largely believe that it was, it was them in that situation, that people wouldn't be trying to break their necks to help get them home. And so it's, it's a rough path. Um, that people are are, are are walking to try to figure out the best way to deal with this Brittany Griner issue. Now, on, I want to say this is Thursday for Tuesday. Um, you got some paperwork going on over there? I'm sorry. <laughs> on Tuesday. <laughs> that would have sounded uh, like, and for me, I'm, I'm, I'm putting in on my uh, YouTube, uh, uh, what we call it, I guess, Post YouTube trying to turn the post shit now. So yeah, community page. Wow. And, I, and that's a valid. I'll, I'll take a moment to make sure I tell y'all direct y'all to our YouTube. If you're not subscribed, go ahead and do that. If you're not liking videos that we post, go ahead and do that. If you're not liking the shorts, if you're not liking the, go stay plugged in. No reason to miss out. And make sure you help us boost our stuff. But let's go back. 
Um, Brittany Griner, uh, appeal was denied on Tuesday. Uh, if you all didn't already know, she's been given a nine-year sentence as a result of allegedly attempting to traffic, but being in possession of a weed pen, a cannabis pen, um, with cannabis oil that is clearly uh, illegal in Russia. Now, some of the uh, activism that has been taken back or taking place includes, I believe, individual smoking joints and smoking weed to go like a weed out outside of Russian courts, uh, which has been uh, a, a way that even in Russia, they are speaking out about a lot of this being problematic. But I will say, I read an article today that yeah. was very interesting. It talks about the fact that her appeal is strategic pawn gaming by Russia, that the end game ultimately could be to release Brittany Griner. However, they are trying to make this hurt for the United States. They are aware of the desired deadline of the midterms to bring Brittany right. Griner home and that it can look like a political win for Joe Biden. He wants no mm -hmm. parts of that, he being Putin. Um, there's also clearly an attempt to, to, to kind of wag a finger in the face and say, you should have been quicker than that. Y'all remember that commercial? Oh, you should have been quicker than that. Yeah, um, because a lot of this has been about swapping various uh, 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 captives in both of these countries. Exactly, prisoners of war. So the United States has an arms dealer by the name of Victor Bout, who we have been holding on to and we're very reluctant well, to bargain with, you know. Huh? Who's a big deal as well. Yeah. Um, but have been fighting to hold on to and have been trying to negotiate and use as a bargaining chip to get Brittany Griner out. But we also understand that Brittany Griner is not the only person who's associated with her dismissal. There's also a second American man who goes by the name of Paul Whelan. Who has all, who who is also over there in a prisoner of war who wants to be bartered and released too? So reports say that Putin is actually like, yeah, nigga, uh, we don't bang with you. You should have responded to our request the first time. We got two people you want. You got one we want. Y'all could you should we you, we put this on the table and y'all kind of played around like the deal and the offer wasn't good enough for the swap. So they're saying that insiders are saying that he's playing the long game just to really be a troll every time. Every time Sherelle Griner gets on the news, this is what the report said that I read, and makes these pleas, you know, Brittany Griner's birthday, I think, just passed, and her anniversary has passed. Every time they get on the news and make these desperate pleas, it kind of plays into the insidious, you know, deceitful mind of Putin right. and his regime. They're like, we really got to on the road. a real fucked up Desperation is, you say he's what? He's, he's a real fucked up individual, yes. Yeah, it's almost like, it's, it's like, it's, it's wetting their appetite to really watch Brittany Griner struggle. So to be clear, to be clear, now that this appeal has been uh, denied, denied, this is the last chance for her to get out is some type of prisoner swap. If they decide not to go through this. Oh, and let's not forget the timing for this shit is terrible. Remember, they made the announcement about going to war with Ukraine mere days before they arrested Brittany Griner. So it was the worst time impossible to happen. So not only uh, is it trolling at play and at hand and a lot of just weird kind of chess playing happening, it, the government is like, we don't really care about this. Like we care, but we like are in a war. So mm. priorities, right? Mm. And so it's rough. It's rough, it's rough. My question to y'all is knowing what we know that only a prison swap is the last chance. If that don't work out, she's just in prison for nine years. Are y'all pessimistic or optimistic? Uh, Brittany Griner is a, is a <laughs> Brittany Griner is now a part of like she's now fungible to the to uh, geopolitical politics. Once she got locked up, 
Like, that's why, as much as it's like, we need, like, these pleas, this woman needs to get her pain out, uh, Sherelle, her, her, her wife, as mm-hmm. much as she needs to do that, and, and our attachment to the media, re- you know, requires that she does that, it makes it worse. Because Putin knows, remember, this is the same person that set up the rush, the, the troll farms that was organizing Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. uh, uh, demonstrations. Not because they believed in the struggle, but because they knew racial relations in the United States undermine national security because it undermines national cohesion, period. So where, so where we are now is that for, for every article that comes out, for every news story that's done, for every conversation that takes yeah. place about Brittany Griner, she becomes that much more valuable to Putin. So, okay, yeah, y'all won't, yeah, this is two for one. Yeah, no, nah, let's, 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 let's switch that up. Give us three people back, you know what I'm saying, and y'all can get these two. Because yeah. we know Brittany, Brittany Griner is at least worth those two because we know the meet the role that the media plays and whether or not you keep your job. And that's what we see that. I'm and, and I mean, and I want to slide yeah. in there that when we say we know how the media plays, they 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 have people that are over there watching the sports community. They have people over there who are paying attention to the way uh activists, activists yeah. and identity people who analyze uh uh identity politics. There are a bunch of different people. Oh, different people they right? watching Google Trends too, man. They got them somebody on payroll that's watching Google Trends in America for how Britney Griner is hitting the search engine. <clears throat> and I think that me understanding the dogmatic way that international politics, how some people believe it goes, I think that Putin is one of the people that believe it's a dog eat dog world. And shit, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's rough. KBG, KBG. It's like it's like having a CIA, a CIA, CIA agent. They did a lot of fucked up shit. Become president. Well, that's, I will, that's the Putin. Before I change the topic, I do want to uh, give you the the one quote from uh, Joe Biden that kind of sealed a little bit of uncertainty for me and a little, little worry for me. He ended the article, or he's quoted in the article that I read, saying, "We've not been meeting with we've not been meeting with much, with much positive response." Biden said, "But we're not stopping." So there's an investment. And figuring out these issues, there's an investment in bringing her home. But in terms of the responses that they're getting, and especially trying to get it done by this midterm deadline at the very least, who knows? But that's going to look like. So we're going to stay tuned. Last thing I want to talk about before I toss it over to the homies, this can be a quick in and out situation. And again, this is Kanye adjacent, uh, but it actually is kind of Kanye specific. So let's get into the Floyd family. We blew up last week. We blew up over the last couple of weeks when we found out that Kanye was... uh, making the conservative talking points that George Floyd was killed by doses of fentanyl. We know that not to be the case. The family, in response to him saying those things on Drink Champs, filed a lawsuit for $250 million. They have since rescinded that lawsuit. Uh, Plug, jump into the ins and outs of what happened with the lawsuit and why they decided to withdraw. Definitely. So what's happened is a lot of people was getting on Nori's for for taking it down because it's like, oh, you caved to liberal pressure. No. Mm -hmm. The way defamation lawsuits work is at like before the lawsuit can take place, there has to be a cease and desist. So whatever platform is proliferating the bullshit, stop. Whether it's Nori and them or Kanye, stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But so since the cease and desist has been sent out, uh Kanye has since backtracked on his statements and Nori has um went ahead and, and like took the episode down so now and apologize uh, the, 
I apologize. Right. So now the plat, like the platforms and the individual that was pushing the bullshit, are now kind of taking a step back on the bullshit that was pushed, which means that it it really isn't much of a lawsuit to continue with. Okay. So that explains why the lawsuit is no longer in play. I guess my question to y'all is, do I think that they should continue to try to write it out and be pursuant to the original harms, the original damages, try to maybe settle things in a civil manner in civil court? Do you feel like they should keep their foot on the gas in terms of the lawsuit, especially considering? Do you feel like maybe these apologies, maybe this corrective action is enough? Because in a lot of ways, people argue that this stuff was re-traumatizing, right? And so when you re-traumatize, that work is already I would, I, uh, I would push it. I, I, I feel like if it was me, I would push it. But I recognize that when we start having a conversation about why why, why this and not this, I think that the way in which you feel me, people fall back or give, you know what I'm saying, passes or do that, that's the reason why, you feel me. It, was, it wasn't that thing, the slavery was a choice or Harriet Tubman ain't real or that's why it wasn't those things that pulled the trigger. Is because we're able to have these conversations where we're able to literally negotiate how we how we dictate the impact of him doing some fuck shit uniquely to black people. What what you think? Uh I mean I, I think I think complying with the cease and desist kind of puts it in position to where you know yeah. it's like all right, like it's yeah. I was dead, yeah. but uh, yeah. It's shit. So at least that 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 part that element of it is no longer the George Floyd family and the pain that they went through no longer has to be a part of that conversation in order for it to take place. I feel like something that's real wild about it. Before you say that, is that Candace Owens went on a whole campaign to make a whole documentary about George Floyd actually dying of fentanyl and not you know what I'm saying this that and the other. Candace Owens just came out in the last couple of days saying that she's thinking about suing the George Floyd family for the pain and suffering that she's went through. So in my mind, thinking like she is, she got some bread. Now she got her ass too. She got a whole documentary. That part. So if y'all seeing, you know what I'm saying, especially and she's using the guise of freedom of speech to go on a full, full blown misinformation. Mis- you know what I'm saying like well, so campaign. You know, yeah. To me, I feel like that's the reason why a lot of things in our community amongst us is able to go on. You feel me? What 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 do you say that's why what do you like tie that together? Speak to me, it's like people have a lot of people are asking the question, why wasn't the anti-blackness that stopped Kanye instead of the you know what I'm saying why was the anti-Semitism? My point is the way that we're able to negotiate how we allow for people to talk shit about the community. You know what I'm saying? Even even from inside of the community, that's what right. dictates how the outside of the community throw people out. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. it's like shit. It's like Balenciaga and Adidas, like, is niggas still rocking with them? Okay, we're good. We good. Yeah, right. Shit, you got two pair of flip-flops. I got two pair of flip-flops. Shit, other niggas is going to Donda Academy and going My to the, the fake ones. So you know, so it's like shit. I think yeah. I don't I want to make this too Kanye yes, we keep the conversation going. I think that it's important for me to point that out right now because it's she to me I it's, it's, it illustrates itself almost the point makes itself in many different instances there it is then you know right now she's leading for coming of the night Clandis right. owens i'm a fan of creativity Clandis is clever oh. that's clever <laughs> yeah she's doing that thing hey well this Good has been you. the vibe check thank y'all for checking in with me we are moving in closer and closer to election time i don't know about y'all and y'all's neighborhoods but and i know plug is gonna talk about this soon but i know we'll have a whole lot more conversations <laughs> both in the vibe checking and the show in general about a lot of these upcoming elections next month so go ahead and turn it over right now 
All right, let's go ahead and get into this political chop. I've been excited about this since we sat down and had the conversation to prepare this episode. Uh, so the first story that we're going to get into with the political chop is actually a rebuttal from last week. So last week, when it was just Toya and myself, uh, the vibe check was about an op-ed, an opinion piece in the Huffington Post uh, that characterized Killer Mike as being more dangerous than Kanye. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Toya and I agree with the op-ed, actually. As black people, we agree with the op-ed. We was a little bit ahead of the curve because it's only been in the last couple of days that we've seen other media outlets respond to that particular op-ed, as well as somebody that showed up in our comments that had a problem uh, with us agreeing with that piece. Now, to be clear, the opinion piece stated that Killer Mike was more dangerous than Kanye because while Kanye's statements are easy to, to view and characterize as beyond the pale, as outside of what's politically acceptable, Killer Mike and his transition from people from supporting Bernie Sanders to people like Brian Kemp is displaying a level of uh, uh, everymanhood. Mm-hmm. What Toya referred to as kind of like that uncle mentality conversation, to where you know you hear people that make sense because they're familiar to you, <clears throat> right? The op-ed pretty much said that the fact that. Uh, that Killer Mike was taken more serious politically than Kanye is, then the things that he adhere himself to the and, and the, uh, the politicians that he support are actually become much more viable in the eyes of black people. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a huge fan of the Young Turks on YouTube. I became, like, George is my nigga. Once the, the Young Turks started working with George, if y'all check out him on conscious, like his Consciously platform on, on TikTok, once the young Turk started fucking with George, I became more of a fan of that nigga. Or right. excuse me, consciously, right? Like I was, <laughs> like you my nigga and all, but Turks is fucking with you. Okay, yeah, you really my nigga now, right? But they came out and was like, and, and as well as other you know black media that that came out and was like that op-ed is on some bullshit, and that 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 they actually taking it too far by placing Killer Mike in that light. Um, so I wanted to take this time to address whether or not Toya and I were, were right or, a, or, or you know, um, in the right by mm. agreeing with the opinion piece. Um, you mind if I go first, Toya? Please. Okay, check this out. I wholeheartedly agree mm. with that opinion piece. <laughs> as a black man, as a, as a person that tells you I'm not a Democrat and I damn sure don't fuck with conservatives, I agree with that opinion piece. You may not be cool. And again, the opinion piece in the Huffington Post that said that Killer Mike was much more dangerous than Kanye. This is the thing that we talked about in debate. I'll keep this succinct. Whiteness. Yeah. What makes it the most dangerous is that it exists in the background. It's not boombastic. It's not it's not spectacular. Whiteness is normal. It's normalized. And the perceptions of the world that whiteness creates becomes the new normal. Which means that whiteness is dangerous, not in, in 2022, not when we see very explicit, uh, obvious acts of racism, but when racism can be deemed as normal. Mm-hmm. Killer Mike is not is more dangerous than Kanye because Killer Mike is considered normal politically, specifically yeah. amongst black people. And where he becomes dangerous is that his us attaching him to normal when he weirdly jumps from Bernie Sanders to Brian Kemp? Bernie Sanders to Brian Kemp? No, no this is the same Brian Kemp 
that that really screwed over Stacey Abrams by controlling the election outcome, by controlling who's able to vote. The same Brian Kemp that was sued for undermining and denying the right for black people to vote by manipulating the system, by taking away voting places and polling places. That Brian Kemp. Yeah. The killer Mike that told us that we shouldn't support Hillary because the way that they doing Bernie Sanders is now supporting Brian Kemp and Herschel mm -hmm. Walker. That's dangerous. It ain't no explanation to how he went from such really a, a radical liberal politics to now radical conservative, really not even radical conservatism, like uh, about a book's conservatives and, and, and conservatism, yeah, exactly. right? Donald Trump conservatism. Stop mm -hmm. playing with us. When he does that, we look at that like, oh, you legitimizing these people, but never holding them accountable to what they did to black people in the first place. So while TYT, I love y'all. I love y'all. I, I love the platform. The reason why what that opinion piece says makes sense is because we trust Killer Mike. We yeah. ain't trusted Kanye in years. That part, that, that part. I think the only thing that I would add to that, and this speaks directly to the individual who wrote the comments on the YouTube video who were just like, you all basically are bagging on this black man that's trying to do the extracurricular thinking that's not being having, that's not taking place right now to really kind of get us and pull us away from Democrats and the way that they play in our faces all the time, not recognizing that we don't really identify as Democrats either. So I don't know what mm -hmm. you mean, because we're not rallying for Killer Mike to come back home to the Democratic side. That's not it either. It is more importantly, and this person insisted that black people are swing voters. Black people are not, cannot, are not a monolith. They can't be put in a box. Black people are swing voters. And I agree with that. Right, we vote on issues. We vote on people who uh, kind of feel, feel and speak to our needs and our interests. But what you're not gonna do is play in my face because mm -hmm. context matters. It's not mm -hmm. just that we're trying to block Killer Mike from being more open and being more fluid to maybe bring attention to the good things that other candidates are doing that candidates we more typically are connected to or not. It's not that we don't care about, you know, leaning into more uh, uh, meaningful gray areas of politics because we recognize that we're not meaningfully represented in the Democratic Party. You think we're stupid? We're not stupid, right. but we're also looking at the context. Nigga, you want us to care about Herschel Walker? You want us to give Killer Mike credibility for sitting down and Blood just very eloquently broke down the issues with Brian Kemp? So quit playing in my face. It is not that uh, uh, Killer Mike is colored outside the lines, baby. It's that I don't like the picture overall. It is that he's colored outside of the lines, but you know he's coloring a Confederate flag. The analogy will catch you later, but ultimately you're not finna treat me like some okie doke, uh, politically illiterate individual who is not able to look at these situation by situation, issue by issue things that specifically Killer Mike is trying to line us up with and saying no thank you. Mm -hmm. Right, uh, 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 as my mother would say, I'm not boo boo the fool, and I'm not Susie Sausage. You're not finna play me. I don't Girl, know. We love you. Just, that is what's blowing my mind. So, for all of y'all saying we're going overboard, we're doing too much. That criticism is too strong. No, that level of familiarity. That the, the, the guy that could go do a run the jewels show and then pop up in the seats and be uh, in the midst of all the political movers and shakers that control the South and specifically the epicenter of progressive black politics, the state of Georgia. We can really sit back and be lax while he's playing it. Like, it's, it's just not possible. And so I think the more y'all talk to, like, you want to take advantage of my 
uh, TikTok notoriety in our relationship that because he followed me on TikTok, I follow on TikTok, and I really agree with everything y'all saying. Feel me? He's like, from a policy standpoint, we can go out of feelings and everything. I think that the people that criticizing y'all, that criticize y'all for that, I guess some criticize us for that. I think that they link to their own criticism because they assume that we have a low level of political literacy or they assume that we have a lack of knowledge when it comes to the policy making process. So I think that we talk about like race, class, gender, ability, or more importantly, the political, social, economic implications of all those things. It's assumed that when we start criticizing the right or Republican shit, they were coming in mm-hmm. from this I think that I, I think that all three of us collectively have better criticisms for the right. I mean, they have greater crit, better criticisms for the left and leftists than any yeah. Republican can ever dream of. Come on, thank I, you. I, I, th- I think that I think that in a debate, all three of us collectively could kick Killer Mike's ass on whatever criticism he has about the left. Of the left, we can make one three times better. And then be able to ten times better show how you're implicated in a lot of fuckery using your own words and using policy, not feelings, not accusations, but literally like Brian Kemp has pushed this particular policy that wants to teach black children this. You say you love black children. You also say that you come from the black community. This is what Stacey Abrams wants to teach black children. You said because Brian Kemp went to this random black school with black boys that's literally ran by a black conservative, come on, King Randall, that you start to plant that and say literally verbatim that Stacey Abrams needs to copy and paste Brian Kemp's campaign method and strategy because it is more effective. So now when Toy was sitting, I was like, man, you playing in our face. And I don't like what you're doing because we be on that crypto night. I be on that. I be on. Hey, listen, fam, you're going to be able to use your proximity to rap music into niggas to now make this white supremacist shit that's anti-nigga more palatable to black people. And it's just like, that is that that is bad. No, no black person is going to rock. I'll say this last thing. Most black people that vote don't rock with Kanye West. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I, I mean, the only thing I was going to do is extend my argument from last week that goes greatly with yours. And it's just the idea that uh, it is not only dangerous to make Killer Mike more palatable, it is because he makes those candidates that deserve black communities more palatable. It is dangerous that he even piques the interest of niggas who are looking for a way out. Right. Niggas like us who are who 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 are similar to us, but are still in the early stages of developing the political literacy to not differentiate and think outside of the politics presented to them and figure out how to pick and choose and participate in the marketplace of ideas. Those people who are still very delicate in that uh, that that phase of their process are the ones who are, you know, easy prey for the type of uh, uh, ideologies that are being filtered through Killer Mike, because then it's like all of a sudden, well, he's harmless. He's on my side. Right. So at least what he's saying, let me stop and stop and listen, stop and lean in. And that is the question where a lot of shit starts to fall apart. We've already we also tied that conversation with the delicacy of black women and black men. Not not to mention the other various dichotomies of our identities, but black men and black women already voting in divergent ways. So what we don't need is a lot of the black men who we're calling on to be galvanized leaders of our community to lean into the poison well of what my killer Mike is selling just because it seems just fringe enough, just free thinker enough, just aboard the right. bu- above the board enough to be something that's not the regular old democratic politics. Right. It is dangerous. 
That's so the last thing I the last thing I said about this, and we'll get to the next story in the political chop because it's kind of it's kind of packed tonight. Going from Democrat to Republican is not free thinking. Yeah, going from Democrat <laughs> to Republican is not a radical political uh, pragmatism at all. The issue at is all. not that black people vote Democrat. The issue isn't that black people vote Republican. The yeah. issue is that it's only two parties to choose from, which means that everything gets so simplified and dumbed down to just this or that, that yeah. the nuance of real life, the nuance of society gets lost. You're not a free thinker simply because you went from one to two or from two to one. You're yeah. a free thinker when you're able to think about politics outside of the paradigm of Democrat versus Republican. And specifically with black people, I'm going to tell y'all, that's white on white violence. Niggas should not be running with Democrat talking points. Niggas should not be running with Republican talking points. When I first joined, when I first became the political plug, mm-hmm. my first, the first conversation I had, my first series of videos was, I am not a Democrat. I am black. Yes. I know y'all will confuse these things. Because Democrats have co-opted black talking points. But to be clear, if you hear Democrats say things that I say, do not equate the two. The, I the, say them because of my blackness. Democrats say them because, because they want my black vote. That's what they say. I say it because I'm black. They say it because they want my black vote. When he says that they are co-opted, this means in terms of sequencing, historically speaking, this speaking point came from black people, and then when Democrats want to try to get the black vote or co-opted, this is a speaking point that they, you know what I'm saying, brought into. But the people right. on YouTube and Facebook right now that's watching this specifically, this is dedicated to y'all. When you come into the comment section with those horrible, shallow criticisms that's lost in the sauce of bipartisan bullshit, the reason why I flush you down the toilet every <laughs> single time is because yeah. I know you are lost in the sauce of white supremacy and you can only see your own people through the lens of left versus right, left versus right, Republican versus Democrat. And that's just how that's how I know that we're not on the same level playing fields when it even comes to giving analysis and speaking truth to reality and speaking truth to power. So let's just get that Thank clear. It's a, it's, a, it's a teachable moment. Don't compare these two things together. Just to reiterate, free thinking and being lost in the sauce and left versus right is not that. It's you not think it's not like Massonel. Right. It's like- um, moving on. Next story. Uh, this is more relevant to Toya and I. George is it, went from Oklahoma to Texas. He deals with this on a daily basis. Non-white <laughs> anti-blackness in L.A. City Council. Uh, Nuri Martinez, the L.A. City Council, Council president, has recently... You said what? I live in Texas now, though. Shit. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you you live in a very conservative place to conservative place where this is expected. We live in a a liberal oasis where people have stuck (laughs) to learn that their non white Latino political leaders were behind some very insidious and incendiary remarks. So, that's, I think, what we're getting. So, just real quick uh, background for all our non Californian people. Uh, Neri Martinez, who's the ca- uh, city council president for Los Angeles, Gil Sedeo, and Kevin DeLeon uh, were all reprimanded and censored by L.A. City Council. Now, city L.A. City Council does not have the ability to expel members, uh, but Neri Martinez, who says some of the, mo- the most salacious shit, has resigned. Uh, Gil Sedeo and Kevin DeLeon have been censured uh, by city council. 
due to a 2021 recording. Now it was done secretly, which is be clear about what censure means. Is that the obvious kind of meaning of they are not allowed to speak out and participate in the inner workings of city what, politics? But what does that mean? It's it's wholly symbolic. It's the the so city council is pretty much totally saying symbolic. we're reprimanding. <laughs> yeah, they're saying we're reprimanding them. Yeah. Um, for still remaining members, but they can still participate. They they still have like full. And to be clear, they are refusing to resign. Like these are direct, vehement, heels in the ground, ten toes down. I'm not quitting my job. Refusals to resign, right. which is why they ended up having to be censored. Right uh, now, again, Mary Martinez because uh, she had made a comment about like she had called like black people monkeys or black kids monkeys. So she she she, she out of there. It was a small child, yeah. A little boy on a float that I think they were at some type of float for maybe uh, George Floyd or maybe something like that. And I guess it was, it was like three or four, doing what three or four-year-olds do. Um, and by the way, he is a black child who is fostered by a white council member. And so mm-hmm. not only was it just a black child, but it was also the child of one of her colleagues who she Colleague, called yeah. um, in Spanish, uh, basically a little monkey. And said he was flying around right. like a little And he needed so to was a- he said, I wanted to be to that, second round the corner, beat him up real quick. Right, right. Uh, so uh, there was a, a secret recording um, done in 2021, which is illegal in the state of California. It does require two-party consent. So there is a, a an investigation to how this uh, recording became about. But aside from the fucked up comments that was made, they were exposed to have plotted to protect political influence by redrawing council di- districts to the detriment of the black constituents and renters. Mm-hmm. So black people, but also people who rent don't necessarily own their home. So what we see here is not only is there a messed up perception of black people that's that's coming out of non-white individuals, but it's also these non-white individuals who also have extensive political power, specifically in the city of Los Angeles, are also using their perception and that power to make sure that they hold on to their political influence at the mm-hmm. detriment of black people specifically because you see how it was like black if you look at the la uh, uh la times article it's blacks and renters so mm-hmm. uniquely fucks over black people but then if you happen to rent which is like most people in los angeles because the only property in la is damn you gotta damn there be a millionaire to do that so right. uh with with, with seeing this ha- take place from other non-white individuals um how do we approach challenging non-white anti-blackness both socially and politically now we can't respond to them the same way we respond to white people right because there's supposed to be certain coalitions and understanding that we're supposed to have with each other so from y'all perspective given what's happening in la um what is the appropriate response to challenging non-white anti-blackness both socially and politically um i think it has there has to be a lot of collar yanking and there has to be a lot of self accountability right to say what should we do or what should we have to do would mean that we as black people can go and jump into these other conversations the same way we can't jump into white people conversations we got to be like you need to go get your mans you need to get your people you need to sit around the table during these holidays and talk to your family is the same expectations and i will say i have been impressed um, with the responses of multicultural groups across the the LA area showing up, gathering the fuck out of them. Indigenous people was up there pissed and going off about the way that these politics have been playing out, uh, playing out both in terms of the redistricting, the redistricting and in terms of the racist remarks that were happening. Latino communities was up in there deep. 
Asian communities up in there deep. It was really a great demonstration of the fact that we not let nobody get off with this shit, even if you look like us, because if you do it to them, you'll do it to us too. So we always have to be skeptical about the metrics of how you are conducting yourself behind closed doors and what that might mean in the bottom line of this city. So I will say, I don't think there's a perfect way outside of people self-regulating inside of their own communities. Y'all know what it looks like, feels like, sounds like to be rejected, to be marginalized, to be erased, to be silenced. And so I think it is an opportunity just like every other time for you to get your mans, get your auntie, get them to get them. They they tripping. Get your people. And I mean, and and LA City Council has has seen hell. They have not known peace. These people have been relentless in disturbing their ability to conduct city business. And and, and, in that way, uh, you know, you know how they say the kids are going to be all right. Like, all right, we might be all right. The society, might, the community might be all right, just in terms of the response to this shit on a on a community level. So, Toya, you saying that 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 not only so from our perspective is get your man's, but is is it there are other non-white individuals? It's like, yeah, we need to check y'all. Yeah, we need I to, mean, uh, there yeah, were there were Asian cool. American. There was a, just so much representation, and we know in Southern California, Asian representation is vast. California, Southern mm-hmm. California is the largest population for a few different Asian cultures or Asian ethnicities outside of their particular homelands. And so uh, a, a lot of people showed up out there and it was, I mean, of, of course more, and I don't even live in LA County. You know what I'm saying? So I've only been tangentially listening to and paying attention to how things are unfolding. It's your old day. Orange County ass. I live in the County of Orange where the real racists, <laughs> <laughs> the out- racists participate in my hey, We out here. We out yeah. here. Tweet is an uh, Anaheim Angels fan. Lee. Now you now now Lee, you you deal with a lot more um because you deal with a lot of conversations that have to do with black people, right? Yeah. Um yeah. so from from your perspective, so I know you you've already had to deal with certain people because even in our comments, it was somebody that came out and was like in, in one of our shorts on YouTube, somebody came out and was like, as a Mexican, why everything gotta be black and white type shit. So if we approaching it from the um, you know, education is elevation conversation. Like, how do you approach the, like, non-white anti-blackness? Um, in all communities, it's a paradigm of light skin, of a dark skin. And I think that once I get anybody con- to concede and or acknowledge that in all communities, there's a, it's cross-cultural to value the light-skinned people of your community more than you value the dark-skinned people of your community. Mm-hmm. We get into anti-blackness or we get into how, you know, you know what I'm saying? I feel like that's, that's the way I go into the conversation. I think that like acknowledgement is, is, is especially in this instance, it goes very far. Like get non-white, non-black people to see how they buy into anti-blackness or deploy uh, deploy tools of white supremacy. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you need to see how you also try to try to get closer to mainstream America by conforming to the ways they see black people. And recognizing that in a liberal state like, you know what I'm saying, uh, California, and yeah. in a conservative state like Texas, there are a yeah. lot of, specifically people of Latin, you know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 and I Florida. That, you know what I'm saying? And Florida. And Florida that, in New York, that like to play with different tropes of anti-Blackness to try to get closer to whiteness and white people. So it's really thinking about how resources, access, you know what I'm saying? And opportunity, a lot of times, are structured by your proximity to whiteness and white people or your willingness to distance yourself from blackness and black people. And that's usually how I approach that conversation. 
1000%. One thing I do want to think about too, and I posted Tashi's comment, but I want to go back to it. They say, agreed, as a Latina, we need to call out our own. We got Afro-Latinx people in our community, but they act like they don't exist. Black and indigenous people get viewed as less than, and it's time to do better. And so that correlates directly, not only with the notions of colorism, but colorism often exists because of intersectional identities, because people are multi-raced. And so they, mm -hmm. uh, as Black Latina folks, as Black uh, Asian, Blasian, individuals right. right it's all these different kind of mixing and overlapping is that the official term this is these are names this is nice like, <laughs> right. I, mean, no, I, I know it's not derogatory i know it's not derogatory <laughs> Blasian is not derogatory but it's the official term listen i i i have degrees in communication studies i'm nobody sociologist but what i will Stop say flexes. that's Stop all i'm flexes. saying um, but what i will yeah. say the hard time getting it <laughs> Forest, by the way. So when y'all hop in our comments and y'all be, she has a she ha, she has a master's in in in, in rhetoric from rhetoric. Wake Forest University. I do, I do. Okay. and they they Not they again. hated giving me one, that degree. One, I got my one of the top communication programs in the country. That way, not twenty five. Dare I say top ten? Doesn't matter. What you should understand is that there is a lot of overlapping that becomes necessary for people who are living in the same households in the same blocks, on the same neighborhoods with these people to show up and either be a part of those conversations or recognize that they are implicated in those conversations themselves. And so uh, a lot to be seen in terms of this issue. Um, a, a lot of, and it was very interesting. I think this, um, it might've been, I don't know if it was De Leon or Sadeo who were talking about their uh, refusal to leave because they feel like their presence is necessary for the healing process to really start to build back and to, to kind of uh, come back and, and be stronger after these types of issues. So they feel like their stance and staying is one that is not, you know, tucking your tail between your legs and running and hiding in the face of the adversity that you have caused, but rather they want to stick around in the thick of it and rebuild from the inside out. And so I say, I'll you know, um, but I'm excited to see. Well, I mean, and here's the thing, you know, when we talk about restorative justice, when we talk about restoration, when we talk about healing relationships and I'm no therapist. I'm no psych. I don't have any psychology degrees either, but I, I am very aware of the various ways we go about coping, dealing and handling people who have wronged folks who are part of communities. And when we look at, you know, not to make levels and layers out of pain, but some people might say, these were problematic comments. These were sentiments that can be corrected and changed. Nobody was sexually violated. Nobody was, no money was stolen. No, you know what I'm saying? But in, in ways, when you talk about redistricting and stuff, you do manipulate resources. You do move around the possibility of people to open businesses, to right. have access right. to proper schools. So it's complicated. But I will say LA is an interesting place right now for the leaders and the people who are making decisions. So stay tuned uh, because right. things are ever changing. Right. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, the next story that we have for the night in the political chop is uh, another thing that we deal with out here in California that would never be a conversation in Texas, Lee, or Oklahoma, Lee, uh, is reparations. I wasn't trying to turn it into a debate, but it's like you recognize the perm, like the 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 pervasiveness of anti-blackness. I live in Texas, born and raised <laughs> no, in I Texas. Know. Born, born and yeah, raised, right. crazy if you don't think that we don't deal with nine, like what, like what? No, yeah. no, 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 yeah, that, that, but I know that's why I said, how do how, how do you Oklahoma, strategize? No. Oklahoma, I would say, is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot different because the black population in the Mexican population is 
slim. You feel me? It's like you feel compared me compared to Texas. You know what I'm saying? Compared to you know compared to Texas. But but I but I will say the uniqueness is growing up in Texas, anytime I heard about the black, black and brown wars in Oakland, I mean in California, I always thought like in Texas. Black people and Latino people, we know how to stay in our own lanes. We don't be having beefs like that. Well, at least with the part of Texas I'm from. Right. I can't speak like That's called segregation. You know what I'm saying? We good. Hey, in my hood, I went to school with a bunch of Mexicans. I live next door to them. You went to the nigga school. Yeah. It was nothing but like blacks and Mexicans there. You know what I'm saying? I shout out to Bride, Texas. I know the first time I traveled there, I woke very up. Country, like, I, was I, sleep, I was sleeping. I was sleeping George's car, and I woke up, and he was like, "We here." And I look up, and I'm like, "With the crew." <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, with that being said, that I want to go only because I know doggone George Lee. I feel hey, like Lee, we gotta take Toya. We gotta take Toya to Bride. Matter of fact, we gotta take Toya to Bride to meet Pops. We got because I ain't met yeah, Pops. Yeah, we gotta meet Pops. Yeah, I'm in Houston. I got you. Got we you go to Bride because uh, my wife went to college, my wife went to Texas A&M University, which yeah. is which is like right next to Bryan right College here. Station. So yeah, it's some stories I've heard. But check it out. Moving on, real quick. Uh, we go, but we gonna keep it in California. Uh, Governor Brian, or, or, or excuse me, Gavin said Brian Gavin Newsom uh, actually yeah. uh, had created some years back had created a reparations task force where you got uh, you know a lot of smart black people in the state of California that have come together to attempt to create uh, a, a, a really a, a cohesive, productive reparations bill um, to figure that out. Uh, now, a conversation that I've had with folks is about what that means for what black means legally. Now, Gavin mm. Newsom has uh, uh, has signed some legislation to kind of create a specific category for black people who are <laughs> who are considered who are considered descendants of slaves, um, and to to help kind of understand who should receive reparations in the state of California. One thing that I've always spoken about when it comes to the reparations conversation is that anything that, that's a part of legislation has to be clearly defined. That means every word in, and we know this, topicality, we know this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, topicality, mm-hmm. every word has to be defined for us to understand what is meant uh, by the legislation, which means that Black would then require a legal definition in order for people to fit uh, within the one does not um, exist now, to be clear for the people that do not know, it does, what it doesn't I've learned about yeah. black feminism and through intersectionality is that Plessy versus Ferguson in the uh, Brown versus Board of Education. Um, specifically, if you was to read like what the judges and what was said, the definition of who is black and what is black is something they do not have. As a matter of fact. Plessy in Plessy versus Ferguson tried to contest it based using his biracial identity. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Plessy was biracial. Yeah, thank you. He tried to question the legal parameters of who is black and what does black mean. And mm-hmm. literal the findings in that court case was that we don't give a damn. We we get to say the <laughs> one drop rule, and if we feel like you black, then you black and you ain't you black because, guy, and because yeah, I'm always like, I feel like nigga translation is like, because we see you as being black, you don't have any jurisdiction or capacity 
Exactly. Exactly. Black or what is black because we define you as that. Yeah. Us. Now, we define what that is. So, all right. So now, so what? So what Lee is speaking to is already, you know, what like the way that it's been informally played with. To yeah. make a reparations bill, it would have to become formal. So the question that I have for y'all is: Is reparations worth allowing white lawmakers? To define blackness, is re- I repeat it. Mm-hmm. This is for y'all in the chat too, because we are going through the comments. I, I love y'all. I'm, I'm loving the comments. Definitely. Is reparations worth allowing white lawmakers to define blackness? We're gonna start with Lee on this one. Man, for me, yeah. I would say I would say I would I would uh I would uh like I most I most respond would be like shit. Do you think that white folks trying to define reparations? Is, I mean, define who black is on stop people trying reparations. Hell nah, we're gonna get through this right here. Get our <laughs> okay. it's like the, these white folks trying to play politics to define who is black and what is not black, that is not going to be an end-all be all for me and how I go go about getting reparations. And if I, if you in my classroom and I'm teaching you about reparations and I account for this thing that's going on, I don't think that these like I don't think that the white men in Supreme Court, you feel me, and the couple uh blacks you know what i'm saying or the one black two blacks mm-hmm. you know me or whatever like mm-hmm. i don't i'm not gonna let that discourage me from the for me to see in terms of it and i'm in my mind it's like like yeah you feel me like we're gonna get past this they're gonna play some games if they even they they do it we're gonna get it record we're gonna get it revision we're gonna get it redid we're gonna we gonna get it appealed you feel me like we're gonna get the reparations though so I'm I'm tempted to agree with you, but Charlie Joe in the comments really kind of speaks to my heart in the world in the sense that I they feel like it's a slippery slope. And so while I can get with the logic of let's get this bag and untangle that shit a little bit later, you can't tell me nothing about me and I'm gonna be who I'm gonna be anyway. I am concerned about then the codification of these standards and limitations of in versus out, black versus not black, to then be applied to other contexts. And I haven't been able to figure out or think through like different scenarios or situations where that be, could become an issue. But I mean, I think just in terms of having certain information, I don't know. Like, I just don't, I don't know what's possible when you start allowing the government to project notions of identity more than they already have. And to solidify those is then things that qualify you or disqualify you for anything. They already have enough ability to do that. Right. They have they already have enough kind of power to take what is on the ID. Let's look at trans students, trans people in general and make decisions about what boxes have been checked. And so next week we're getting into it next week. Hey, and so we're gonna talk about trans kids and trans issues next week for sure. I'm tired. I got a lot of y'all. I'm, 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 I'm proud of myself. I do it right now. Like, ugh, ugh. And, and, you're winning, and I'm, I'm proud of you. But what I no, want to say, was, let me finish this out real quick. What I want to say and kind of ultimately get to is the idea that allowing the state to wield that much power is a replication of a system that we've already seen how it works and how it functions. And so I feel like I, it would almost be as beautiful as reparations are. And here's the thing: ain't ain't no enough reparations. Right, so I'm almost okay. Well, because what's enough? Like, what do you get? You talking about what thousand dollars a thousand dollars a month? That's twelve hundred dollars a year or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, so whatever you got from me ain't no enough. And I think it might not be no enough for me to suspend my understanding of how you have already kind of typecast and put us in. I can see that. I can see that. I think. I think. I think that. I think that from that perspective, me knowing how politics work, 
it'll be like we're gonna give y'all reparations, but it's gonna be like we know a lot of you niggas got uh, uh loans, so we're gonna give y'all uh, fifty thousand dollars, uh, you know what I'm saying, off your, off your student loans, and we'll give you a thousand dollar check. So it's like, damn, we just let you define who, who is black and what is black for fifty thousand dollars subsidies and uh, and you know what I'm right. saying, a ten thousand dollar check. Like, damn, right. see this question Richard asked, aren't we going to have to self identify? Opens up a whole nother can of worms because then I gotta look at Black people sideways, like, are you really, are you cutting into my piece of my re- reparations because you over here trying to get over? Or are you really, and I don't want to authenticity test niggas like that at all. You know what I'm right. saying? I don't want the position to do that. I don't want the state to be in the position to be like, you have self-identified as a Negro, the lie detector determined you have, you, that is false. That is a lie. Right. I don't have right. any of this shit. So just... I as as terrible as it is, I just rather the state stay out of it. Because I, I definitely rather. I, I feel like I feel like a part of me think that though the pessimist in me feel like this shit is inevitable though. Like ultimately, because there is so much legislation that has the word black in it, in the policy debater, and all three of us know that we need legal definitions. The much more conflict and controversy that comes around you feel me or that comes around like the like black from a legal standpoint i think that inevitably it'll be about them trying to find what's black and being able yeah. to recognize the slippages legally they have not been able to really tie that down so for me it's just like shit it's inevitable man you know what i'm saying the question is would it be in my lifetime or would it be in my grandma i don't say my grandma my, my grandkids lifetime you know what i'm saying my right. kids decide to have kids you feel me but i see it as yeah. being inevitable especially knowing that the, the gerrymandering to this, to that, to that. From the video I seen, bro broke it down from how a lot of the redistricting happens off of the census. And because we get to think about who gets to be black, it's like literally in Republican-ran areas, they will redistrict the area and literally draw out the black people to make it yeah. where we spread the black people in this area across these five areas around this, you know what I'm saying, metro and make it where if you live in inner city Houston, you really be you really in Cypress or Katy, or you really in Pearland now. You really in, you know right. what I'm saying? Like they play with games like that. You feel me? So it's really to me, it's like seeing what that's already ah, yeah, you know. So Mercy, um, no, because because I'm gonna go ahead cap it off and then got you. Well, I, I seen two Mercy Hope comments that I want to uh, kind of shout out. One was the one I just had on the screen where they was like, "I want my twelve thousand dollars." I messed up, did bad math, and said twelve hundred dollars definitely meant twelve thousand dollars, thousand dollars. Definitely twelve thousand, yeah. yeah. Right, cheap ass, so, twelve hundred dollars. That's all. You, that's all they buy you. That's I, all they I need. I think I was thinking a hundred dollars a month, and I just I got my zeros misplaced. Okay, I lost one of them. But tickled me because I feel that like twelve k a year is a substantial change to you know what I'm saying. It would change the lives of a lot of people. Realistically, another question that they asked was, "What if we only get reparations based on how much African DNA we have?" And so I think that would is is very interesting. Right. The possibility of maybe having everybody take some ancestry tests, you figure out your your percentages and then you get a certain amount of money based on a certain amount of percent of whatever blood. If you got six percent Singalese blood and uh, 17 percent Congolese blood, you got a little Sierra Leone and you got a little then all of a sudden your money starts to rack up. That could be an interesting way. But I think it's very important to recognize that I think that puts us at a disadvantage uh, because of the settler colonialism that has happened over time and i forget who pointed that out in the comments but you know the notion of being a purer blood than somebody else you can get that out your mind it's been so much race mixing and matching and you know overlapping it's just a lot of that shit is impossible so that would mean we would undervalue how much money we are owed because of what of our ancestors went through because we would kind of be putting it on that sliding scale so 
tricky business. Yeah. But plug, go ahead yeah. and wrap it up, pull it out, do it. In, 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 in the instance, we will allow for our proximity to whiteness and white people to be able to extract value from how much money we would get. Right. And it's thinking about, right. you know what I'm saying, like, like also like uh, descendants of African slaves that's in America, like, you know what I'm saying, type shit. It's like thinking of, like, okay, so we tying it to African DNA. But if you have too much white DNA or too much non-African DNA, it be, you know what I'm saying. But it, to me, I feel like yeah. To 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 end this rant, I grew up as a southerner, always hearing you don't want to open those can of worms. And yeah. usually, when that was deployed, it was deployed in a way that say that the emotional and intellectual labor that it would take to do X, Y, and Z is really not worth right. it. The talk, <laughs> right? Question of. You don't want to open that can of worms for who? It's too right. much for who? for who? It's too for much who? of a slippery slope for who? Because for me, for in my psyche and my consciousness, it's like, hey, I was born on a slippery slope. Yeah, I'm surviving on a slippery slope. You mm-hmm. trying to add another slippery slope to the slope? Something already sloping? Let's slope <laughs> along, baby. I'm a yeah. sloper, is my Let's slope together. You slope, not slope, and we slope together, baby. Let's slope. Okay. Shit, let these let the let the folks come and join the slope. Shit, I ain't we ain't we ain't we ain't ran from that. You feel me? Yeah, I, I, I so so Lee and I Lee and I have kind of because I, I I'm really like you know it's a, it's the same way that niggas kind of complain about the civil rights act. Yeah, you know I mean it's the same way niggas complain about segregation. Well, I don't agree with those arguments. I do believe though that there is a greater danger with allowing the systems and structures that operate based off anti-blackness to establish what black means, though. Because like Malcolm X said, you can't hate the roots of the tree and not hate the tree. Mm-hmm. You can't have a negative perception of Africa and not have a negative perception of yourself. So while I agree with that, the fact that black American uh, uh, tradition and culture is unique. And should be valued and should be appreciated for being black American culture. We it, it, we we're giving we've already allowed them to we are we've already given them too much power with the fact that black is an exonym. It was never a term that we gave ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's a term that was placed on us, which means that we've been able to dictate blackness in in a very fluid way. Legal language necessitates. That it creates a static definition to understand blackness. Blackness cannot be understood from a static perspective. It's too multifaceted. It has too many different elements, specifically because what black became had to do with an amalgamation of Mm -hmm. African cultures, but then also indigenous cultures, Native American cultures which we, in a lot of ways, mixed with, like, it don't matter which side your family, it, you know, the same way people talk about, well, you got black in you because somebody in your family was raped, but you also got some type of indigenous in you because somebody in your family got the fuck off that plantation and there were Native American people that were saying, we are, we support you, we want to protect you. So, it, it, it's a, it's a slippery slope. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, do that. So it's so it's a slip. It, like so, Lee said, it is a slippery slope. Do I think it's worth reparations? I'm gonna say yeah because, like, because I, I fuck with black people, and mm-hmm. black people for the most part feel like that something needs to be done. So I'm not gonna be against reparations because white people have some hand in defining it. But at the same time, that's something that I I, I want niggas to think is important. So we are gonna finish out. We got two. 
We got we got two more stories. We're gonna finish this thing out real quick. Two Dr. more Oz. stories. Oh, Damn. Do you think we should? Nah, they quick. They quick though. They quick. They quick. They quick. Yeah. Dr. Oz in his Pennsylvania oh, debate man. says abortion is a matter between a woman, her doctor, and local politicians. How dangerous is that? He needs for a lot of people. That's a. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even need to say that today. Go ahead, Tweet. He needs his ass beat. Did you want me to repeat what I said? Repeat what you said. Yeah. He needs his ass beat for the third time. Why? Why? Um. Why? Because that is just some of the most nonsensical business that I think I've ever heard in my life. I don't even. I don't care if you have a uterus. I don't care if you. You should not be in mind. You have your own to attend to. So there's not a politician walking this earth that I think needs to be a part of any uh, relation, any conversation. It's just it's stupid. It's dumb, and it's it's one of those one-liners that I bet they thought was hot as shit in the SUV on the way over to the fucking debater, wherever he said that shit at, and they should have kept that in. The no, thank you, pal. That is how I feel. Well, about he it. to fire his team and get him a whole new prep team and get him better debaters because it's like, listen, man, all that shit y'all be talking about the nine Western countries that don't want to conform to your ideas of of of, of, of democracy and don't want to, you know, what I'm saying conform to your ideas of you feel me reproduction. You will characterize them as saying what you just said and then justify invading their country and stealing their resources because they just said that a woman's birth should be left up to them politicians and but like get out of here, man. You smoking dope and dog food and you sound like a goddamn <laughs> yeah. niggas are so creative, but yes, that right. So I, I do want to say this. Uh it it it, it uh it, it it creates too much of a normalized perception of undermining women's bodily autonomy. It's it's all about bodily autonomy. It's not even a conversation between a woman and her doctor. Doctors provide a service, which means that when a woman comes to a doctor, she's already like she should be able to already decide what she wants to do with her body. So with the the issue with Doctor Oz's comments to those who like you know they say common sense ain't so common. The issue with Dr. Oz's comments is that it undermines the bodily autonomy of a woman. I mean, it's like, okay, I can see how people could think it has to do with a doctor, but including local politicians in determining what a woman can do with yeah, her body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to pick ridiculous. But I'm in that I'm in that room with you, baby. Yeah, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I won by 50.5 percent. But listen, if you decide that you too broke to have a baby, goddamn, you gotta run it by me. And if I say that you gotta have that baby, then guess what? You should have you should have been at the post. But ain't my fault. Right. Now I get to make a life a life decision for you. I'm gonna be in this office for goddamn three, two, two years. You feel me? Okay. Four years. And I get to make a decision for you for the rest of your life. That's gonna hit you for twenty five years. You know, this yeah, I thought that was gonna be quick. We didn't need to spend too much damn time on how stupid that yeah, was. But yeah, we I'm got hungry. one more though. Yeah, stop acting like this ain't an hour and a half show. Man, I was like hold on. I signed what up for happened? an hour, one hour, <laughs> uh, an hour show. That is what. I, when I come into these shows, I'm thinking like, nigga, I'm gonna be streaming for an hour. We'll talk about it later. Can we go uh, ahead? We got, we got, we got one more. Listen, we got one more though. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy. Look, Herschel Walker has a new abortion accuser. Speaking of abortion, another person came out and said Herschel Walker also paid for my abortion. 
Do y'all think these abortion accusations will impact impact the Georgia election at all? No. <laughs> Why not? Real quick. I know you're hungry, nigga. Why I not? Just, I just I just seen uh I think at this point I've seen three to four different Republicans literally saying they don't care about what he's done. It's all about the Senate. It's all about that seat. So in my mind, it's like at this point, what is like six? Is it like five or six abortions that he's allegedly had? Shit, if you wouldn't, you already made your decision by the second one. You know what I'm saying? By third one, if you ain't already decided if you like him or not, then shit. The fifth one don't make a difference to me. Who so am I to disagree? <laughs> so you don't think that the abortion accusations will play any role in whether or not they were a blip. How they were a blip on the radar that day. They weren't even the biggest news that day. So no, I, I think a lot of people are going to go and vote, not even knowing that that is a piece of news that came out. And I think that is a result of people being infatuated with Kanye West. And I also think that is a result of not enough attention and political energy being put in by consumers of media and creators of media to really pay attention to that issue. So a lot of people, most people have his, his, his base ain't gonna care about it. And people who are on the fence who was thinking about voting for him ain't gonna know about it. So we just got to kind of see how that shit shakes out. All right. And with that being said, that's the political chop, man. Uh, because I, I, I also don't believe that it will play. There was a, I, f- I forget to do a while back, the Alabama election that was accused of grooming young girls, hunting at a, uh, like, like literally hunting down younger women on, on high schools and all that. Mm-hmm. And he only lost his election by like two or three points or some yeah. shit like that. So yeah, it's I'm like. Bro. That was rude. I just want to point mercy. out. Mercy. Whoa. Whoa, mercy. You gotta mercy. You're going to get us kicked off of here. You're going to get us in trouble. Uh, <laughs> look, if he would have been aborted, like we wouldn't have the greatest rusher ever to come out of the University of Georgia. My God. I'm clicking through these other comments just trying to watch the crazy way because that was wild. Um, but but with that being said, Roy Moore, thank you. Nduka, Nduka, thank you. Roy Moore, that was his name. Roy Moore only lost by like, excuse me, two or three points. And that man was was known in, in like the 60s and 70s to be like literally at high schools grooming women. And he only mm-hmm. lost by two or three points. You know what I mean? Which is an example of that's tell people of Georgia. Yo. Herschel Walker is not for you. I don't care how many times he sit down with Killer Mike. He's not for you. He's kind of productive. The only reason he's even considered relevant is because of Donald Trump's popularity. He offers no solutions to anything y'all dealing with. He shouldn't be taken serious simply because he's a celebrity. Jazzy Phantom says there is an Arizona rep who just got caught jerking the chicken next to a preschool and they still saying they'll vote for him. Listen. Factual. I was just about to bring that up. Factual. Wild times. Oh, and then Duca said, thanks for pronouncing my name correctly. Of course. Love my name is Dominique. My name is Dominique. Do you know how many times I get called Dominic at Starbucks? Stop playing. Uh, but with that being said, that is the political, that is the political chop. Uh, that's all that's all we got for y'all tonight. Uh Toya, go ahead and get ready to close this out. Hey, it's love to y'all. Make sure y'all follow uh, us and keep up with what's going on on YouTube. We got a whole lot more stuff going on over there. If y'all are tapped in here, make sure you subscribe. Uh, make sure you follow us on uh, 
the Facebook. If you're on the Facebook group, uh, make sure you like, love, do whatever emotive thing you can do to make sure you boost up uh, some of us in the, uh, you know, in the algorithm. And finally, if you are from Lee's page, go follow the Chop Up Show everywhere you can. Start off on Instagram. You'll get your way connected to everything else on there. Listen to us on Spotify. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Listen to us uh, on Google us. We everywhere. Okay, Google the Chop Up Show. We're on so many different podcasting platforms, it don't make no sense. So you pick your poison, but make sure you stay plugged in. We'll be back next Thursday, if not earlier or between that time. So it kind of depends on what's happening in this world we live in. Stay tuned with us. We like y'all. We love y'all. We can't wait to see y'all again. You ready to push that button? I am. The last thing I want to say is we, so we need y'all help, right? We want to get this, this stream up to, let's say, 700 views. Help us get 700 views. Share the shit. Shout out to Margo. Like this shit. Shout out to Margo. Share the shit. Like the shit. Love the shit. Let everybody know, you know what I'm saying, where y'all get, who y'all favorite podcast is and who y'all fucking with. It's Real only quick. through y'all that we become a bigger platform to get off a lot of this shit that y'all not going to hear from the rest of these larger platforms. But with that being said, y'all stay tuned for the material that will come out as a part of this. And we will see y'all next time. This is the Chop Up. We out. In the city, we gon' slide. Bet I be there pronto. Me, my guys, we really live. Lord, forgive me, pay my ties. Please don't have me reach inside. And that's in the console. Keep the semi when I ride. Little pin.